This episode of Deep Dive is sponsored by Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, a valuable advocate in Washington for farmers throughout the Midwest. We are the voice of milk in Congress, with customers, and within communities. Milking cows is tough work. You have to wake up well before the sun rises and your day ends after it sets. Most cows are milked two, if not three times per day. Between milking comes chores and then back to the parlor for night milking. And don't forget about the extra chores during harvest, as most dairymen and women grow their own crops for feed. If you ask any farmer who's milked cows for the last few decades, they'll tell you there's no rest for the weary. The job is labor-intensive, so who's going to milk those cows? Migrant workers or fancy robotic milking machines? And both have their prospective policy and economic hurdles. Larger dairy operations rely on farm workers to help with chores and milking, but immigration has become a divisive topic in Congress these days as simply passing an agriculture labor bill can be a steep mountain to climb. Robotic milking machines sound like a decent alternative, but most cost millions of dollars. In this episode, we'll explore how dairy operations are pushing for legislation to reform the H-2A program, a seasonal program for temporary guest workers, as well as what they feel the future holds as the next generation enters the family business. I'm Spencer Chase. And I'm Ben Nully. We'll look into that and more on AgriPulse Deep Dive on Dairy, Episode 4, Help Wanted. Labor might be the most frequently discussed problem facing the dairy industry. It's not the kind of topic that ebbs and flows with the markets or consumer preference. It's not something that's necessarily due to the policy of any one particular party. It's a constant. It's been a persistent issue for years. And even the victories in the issue, however few and far between they might be, haven't been able to overcome the stiff roadblocks that have plagued the discussion. Before we get too deep into the issue, before we talk legislation and regulation and administration, we need to explain just what it is we're talking about. There's a few reasons why labor is such a big problem for the dairy industry. First of all, the work is constant. Dairy cattle need to be milked multiple times per day, every day of the year. Rain or shine, hot or cold, weekday or weekend, it doesn't matter. That means the dairy industry doesn't fit into temporary programs like the H-2A visa. More on that later. But the constant flow of milk can only remain constant if workers are there to do the job. That's another thing. There's a lot of jobs to do. There's feeding, there's trucking, there's animal care. There's the toughest job of all, milking. It's a little different on every farm. And I stopped by one farm in particular to see for myself. Lazy J Dairy has been operating near Wolsey, South Dakota since 1980. Today, Russell and Janet Youngman run the dairy with their son Lucas and his wife Carrie. They'll milk about 900 cows there on a daily basis in a facility that's about two years old. There's two rows of milkers, 16 on each side, and the entire time I was there, there was a constant flow of Holsteins coming through the parlor. They milk around the clock in the parlor, stopping twice a day for cleaning. There's two workers keeping the milk flowing today. The cows come in, their udders are cleaned, and then the milker gets to work. Workers walk down the rows of cattle and place milkers on each cow. 
From there, the milk is pulled through piping into a lower room, creating a galloping sound as the milk makes its way to the bulk tank. All this noise and commotion brings us to our second point. The work is hard. The work is tedious, it's intensive, and it's hard. It's work that can be difficult to do and requires a motivated employee, something that can be hard to find. Allow me to introduce you to two dairy farmers. Blake Alexander is an organic dairy, egg, and beef farmer in northwestern California near the Pacific Ocean on one side and the Oregon border on the other. His operation spans a few different locations with 4,000 milk cows and about 50,000 laying hens. At any given point, his workforce of about 140 people includes mechanics, truckers, bookkeepers, and more to keep the wheels of the operation turning. And sometimes, it's tough to keep some of those workers around. The schedules are long, and the work is consistent, and it's somewhat hard, it's a little dirty. And so most locals don't want that kind of job. They don't really want to work. They don't want the, the commitment where they have to be stay hooked up. Um, and engaged in their job, you know, whatever it is, 50 minutes an hour, they, they get breaks, they get lunch, they get, you know, everything they're supposed to get. It's not like we're, we're asking them to, you know, over and above break rules or anything. We're just talking about doing the job. And it's a lot of work. And so locals don't want that work. They, they, they think they do. They come out, they work a week, and then they quit. Blake's Dairy Farm, like hundreds of other dairy farms around the country, is heavily reliant on a Hispanic workforce to get things done. So is Pat Lunemans. Pat is a dairy farmer from central Minnesota. Like most good Minnesotans, he can tell you the location of his place using a few different qualifiers, last of which would be where they are in relation to the Twin Cities. It's about 150 miles to the northwest, if you were curious. On his farm, there's about 20 employees working to care for about 850 dairy cattle, about 900 young stock that will be the farm's dairy cattle in a few years, and a farm of about 1,600 acres. There's a few guys who used to have their own dairy operations that come in for work every day, but in the milking parlors, workers from Mexico, Central America, and a few other various parts of the world can be seen on the job on a daily basis. To be clear, it's not like there's no available workers in the American labor pool. Pat says it's just that there's a need to expand that pool a little to find what the job requires. I use the phrase that the, the willing and able are already working, and we have such a low unemployment level in the United States that you know people who really want a job already have a job. And so there just aren't people out there that want to do farm work, uh, at least not around me. And, uh, and as I talk to other farmers around the country, it's pretty much that way everywhere across the United States. Uh, the willing and able are already working. So to to find someone that's willing to work on your farm, you have to... Uh, be open to to looking at people with different backgrounds and you know whoever's willing to take good care of cows and show up every day um, and not have excuses uh, we're willing to take a look at when workers decide ag labor just isn't for them it's not like the cows will take a day off as a courtesy there's still work to be done so Blake says they make a point of cross-training employees to keep things running as close to normal as possible Pat says right now his operation is in a good place with their labor needs, but he also says that can change in a hurry. There are times where we're really short and and uh, it's all hands on deck to make sure that we have the shifts covered. And 
we'll be okay for a while and then one or two people leave to pursue something, you know, a, a different job opportunity. And then it's really tough because the cows have to be milked. You can't just shut down the operation. And that's what's what's so frustrating with the lack of available labor is that we have to operate. We And there aren't a whole lot of backup systems that we have. All the labor issues are compounded by the fact that farmers are at their wit's end about just what they're going to do to keep their milkers running. Because financially, they can only do so much. Both Blake and Pat told me they're paying their workers well above minimum wage. There's also housing and other benefits, too. For Blake, the compensation package is stretched about as far as it can be. We can't afford to always just pay more or give away more or, or whatever. That does not work because it's hard to... It's hard to pay our bills right now as a dairy farmer, and we've been in this mode for about three, four years of declining prices at the farm where a third of our milk income has gone away, and yet our costs have gone up, and it's really, really difficult to continue. So we can't just keep paying more. Um, Eventually, we run out of money, and, and, and so that's the danger there. So we've got to motivate through, you know, being a good workplace and we, we do as much as we can with our meat, milk and eggs, giving it away or providing it extra cheap or mostly free. Um, and, and then a few other benefits and you know, a health program and a, and a you know, kind of a paid leave per, per year. You know, obviously making the job easier and, and paying more all the time, and you know, that, that builds employee morale and ultimately consistency and long-termness with all employees, and, and that's huge and that's worth a lot, but we can't always afford it. With soaring costs of labor, feed, all kinds of inputs necessary on a dairy farm, efficiencies have to be found somewhere. And sometimes, as Blake tells us, the improvement is known but out of reach. We've got older parlors. Our newest one is about 40 years old. Uh, we've done remodels and upgrades to the takeoffs, the machines that actually melt the cow and come off automatically. Uh, we've, we've upgraded all that stuff. But, you know, in, all in all, what we really need is a different style of milking parlor, um, like a carousel where the cows are, are spinning around uh, at a slow rate and it takes two people to run those, and they can milk 400 cows an hour fairly comfortably. Uh, we're, we're, we're working with more people on about half the number of cows per hour. So it, it's you know, there's a lot of room for improvement there that we just can't afford to do because it would take a, a really large investment to build a, an entirely new milking barn. If you aren't familiar with rotating milk parlors, Do yourself a favor sometime and look them up online. Seeing a video of one in action is really something. It's a fascinating achievement of efficiency, technology, and animal welfare. And it's an achievement that doesn't come cheap. You know, it's a a function of being able to get the loan to to spend, say, five or six million dollars on a a large facility that would milk half of our cows with two people. So, again, it's the loan or having the cash flow to support the loan or cash, literally, just to pay for it. And so right now, we don't have e- either one of those three. <laughs> Nothing. 
The upgrade costs could be a little cheaper if you don't need a new facility to go along with a new parlor and could just use an existing building. But no matter how you slice it, that's a major investment that doesn't always pencil out, even with the resulting savings in labor costs. The constant issue of labor availability isn't new. It's been going on for years. The issue isn't really a secret either. It's a popular talking point for both parties seeking to score support among rural voters. It isn't just an issue for the dairy industry either. There's plenty of other labor-intensive tasks in agriculture that need the help of workers born outside the United States. There is a program for ag workers. It's called the H-2A Visa Program. It's designed for work that is seasonal and temporary that might not have a lot of interest among the domestic workforce. Sounds like a fit for the dairy industry until you remember one thing. The program is seasonal. The work is not. H-2A visas are common in things like the produce industry, where a rush to harvest labor-intensive crops requires an all-hands-on-deck mentality for a short period of time. Ben's going to talk more about some of the legislative efforts on farm labor in a little bit. But make no mistake, those efforts are out there. Pat has been a part of many trips to Washington to lobby on the issue through some producer groups he's a part of. He's not alone in those efforts, and he and his fellow producers want to see something get done. Well, we need to do something for the 11 million people that are here um, illegal. We need to decide what we're going to do there, but then we also need to create a visa system that brings us uh, labor that meets our needs. Uh, we can't be struggling to find labor all the time. Otherwise, we'll have difficulty putting food on, on the plates of the common American citizen. One path might be to tweak the H-2A program. That would be a tremendous help because the current H-2A system is for seasonal labor only. Dairy and livestock in general is a year-round business, so the H-2A program does not fit the needs of, of livestock producers in the, in the United States. So we definitely need a fix in the H-2A program or, or a visa that's similar uh, to what our needs are. We've seen progress on the subject before. Bills have been introduced. Heck, some of them have been passed in one chamber of Congress. But dairy farmers across the country are still waiting for something to get to the president's desk. And Blake and many others are frustrated. You know, the Republicans blaming the Democrats and the Democrats blaming the Republicans. And it just keeps flipping back and forth. And they really both, both have the same policy on illegal immigration. Talk about it during elections and then do nothing about it. I would like to see us literally do something about it. He's far from alone on that point. The need for ag labor reform has been a hot-button issue on Capitol Hill for years, as Ben tells us after this. AgriPulse Deep Dive is brought to you by Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, the voice of milk. Edge provides dairy farmers across the Midwest with a strong voice, the voice of milk, in Congress, with customers, and within communities. EDGE is an energetic, forward-thinking organization that represents all dairy farmers equally, recognizing both their differences and similarities. As one of the top dairy cooperatives based on milk volume, EDGE amplifies the voice of farmers. Now more than ever, dairy farmers need to be heard. Join us at voiceofmilk.com. Fixing the nation's immigration system has been a long battle to get both Democrats and Republicans on Capitol Hill to agree on a piece of legislation. It is a difficult process. Why? Because Democrats won't go for immigration reforms without giving undocumented immigrants amnesty, and Republicans won't move forward unless immigrants go through the process legally. 
The House recently passed a bipartisan bill to reform ag labor, which would expand the H-2A visa program to year-round farm workers and provide growers relief from wage hikes. This bill, known as the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, provides some prime examples of why immigration legislation doesn't usually get done because politics always seem to get in the way. And actually get to the real heart of the issue for farmers. During the House Judiciary Committee markup of the bill, immigration hardliner Republican Doug Collins of Georgia took every chance he got to point out the elephant in the room, legalization of undocumented farm workers. Moving forward, I'm as... I'm as soft as a no as I can be on this. I'm not lighting my hair on fire on this one. But it, the reality is, is what this bill does is found in the first section. And that's the part that will, by the way, right now, it's not going to get a lot of talk in this committee. But the minute it gets out of this committee, the pathways and the legalization and the amnesties will get a lot of attention. Okay, we just have to acknowledge that. He even went as far as to call out the dairy industry for supporting the bill. H-2A users have asked that no cap, asked for no cap on the program. Where H.R. 5038 does provide some visas for year-round work, it caps the number initially at a low rate of 20000 per year and the reserves, and then reserves half of those for dairy. If you're here from dairy and you had lobbied for the help of dairy, congratulations, y'all have done a great job. You need a raise because you succeeded wildly in this. Subcommittee Chair on Immigration and Citizenship, Republican Ken Buck of Colorado, agreed with Collins, saying the bill did nothing more than to provide massive amnesty. First, this bill opens the door to a massive amnesty. We're bringing a bill to mark up without even the slightest idea of how many individuals this bill would put on a pathway to citizenship. Democrat Zoe Lofgren of California introduced the bill with Republican Congressman Dan Newhouse of Washington State. While she acknowledges her district doesn't have that much agriculture in it, She understands access to labor has been an ongoing challenge for farmers throughout the years. Lofgren remembers dealing with this issue during the last Congress and notes people need to understand farm workers are needed to fill the jobs in the agricultural industry, whether it's dairy or other occupations. I remember when I chaired the Immigration Subcommittee the last time, I had the then-president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He said that for years we had two signs at the southern border. One sign said no trespassing, and the other sign said help wanted. And I think there's some truth to it. I mean, people came across and filled needs that we had in our economy, and uh, agriculture is a very good example. And uh, there was a circularity to it. People would come, they'd work, they'd go back. Well, after 9-11, you know, the border got tightened up, and rightfully so. But people were stranded over on this side of the border. They couldn't go back and forth as before. There was no program that really worked very well uh, for visas. And so people have been here working. We know from some of the analyses that a majority of the undocumented farm workers, for example, have been here more than 10 years. A majority of them have family here. I mean, they live here. And... They're not going anywhere, and if they did, it would be a real blow to the ag economy. So there's two overarching problems with immigration reform. One is Congress can't agree on legalizing undocumented workers, and the other is once you fix one sector of labor, say agriculture, for example, other groups outside of ag want to see improvements in their industries as well. Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa is currently the chair of the Senate Finance Committee, but he's also been at the helm of the Senate Judiciary Committee, 
which has jurisdiction over immigration policy. He says both chambers have even tried to make ag labor and immigration reforms through appropriations bills. Sometimes we've worked out for uh, H-2 uh, people to come to the country uh, easier uh, to satisfy some parts of agriculture. And then you get to getting it into the final appropriation bill, end of the year appropriation bill. And at that point, uh, the two Republican leaders of the two houses and the two minority leaders, and Pelosi would be one of these four people, uh, they can keep anything out. So we've worked out compromises to get more agricultural labor, and then it doesn't get into the final product. Party differences also doomed a comprehensive immigration bill developed by a bipartisan gang of eight senators in 2013. The legislation passed the Democratic-controlled Senate 68 to 32 when 14 Republicans joined the Democratic majority in supporting the measure. But the bill later died because the Republican-controlled House wouldn't put it to a vote. There was too much internal GOP opposition. Had it been enacted, the bill would have made it possible for many undocumented immigrants to gain legal status and eventually citizenship. It would have also increased border security by adding up to 40,000 Border Patrol agents. But there are not just disagreements between Democrats and Republicans. There can even be disagreements within parties. Some view the comprehensive approach is the right way where others feel a measured approach is better. Senator Tom Tillis, a Republican from North Carolina who is a leader on ag labor issues, says you can't pass immigration reform without it being comprehensive. But Congressman Ted Yoho of Florida has a different view. We can look back at the last 36 years when they've tried to start off with something and it builds and builds and becomes comprehensive. I've learned that in Washington, the word comprehensive before any bill is a death sentence because it becomes so bogged down with all this. Keep it purity of purpose. We need guest workers in this program. I mean, in this country, we need strong labor, but yet we need a steady supply for our producers. And uh, I had one of the producers when we were doing our ag tour. He says, you know, bottom line is this. We either are going to import our labor or we're going to import our food. These are just a few examples of how immigration reforms stall in Congress. But some in the agriculture sector are still optimistic something will get done. Chuck Connor is president and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. Established in 1929, NCFC consists of nearly 2,500 local farmer cooperatives across the country. A cooperative is a group of farmers marketing their products or buying supplies. Connor served as Deputy Secretary of Agriculture from May 2005 to 2007 and then became Acting Secretary from 2007 to 2008 when then-Secretary of Agriculture Mike Johans resigned. Connor has decades of national and state government, agricultural and trade association experience under his belt. I sat down with him to talk about why dairy operations so badly need migrant workers. There are no temporary workers, you know, coming through our, our, our H-2A program working in our dairy farms. And under current law, that is illegal. Uh, because, you, you know, it has to be seasonal work. Obviously, dairy farming is 24-7. It is the opposite of seasonal. Uh, it's, it, it never stops. 
the workers, you know, that we do have uh, on our farms and ranches today that uh, are of, uh, you know, whether you mentioned Mexican, of, of Latin descent, many of them, uh, they are people who are, who are not generally coming and going. They are they have been here for a very very long time, even though they may not have proper documentation to be here. And so that's why in our immigration debate, there are two elements to the debate that are important. Obviously, we need to reform our guest worker program, make it available for year-round work as well. But but we have in estimates of over a million workers, many of them on our dairy farms, who are already here, and they're not coming and going. They have been in the United States uh, residing, in some cases, for decades, but they don't have proper legal status. Connor says while there are many different paths to fix the ag labor problem and immigration in this country, he has one reminder as talks continue. Many people out there believe that, you know, they know the dairy farmers have got to hire labor. They know they need help to run, you know, 24-7 operations beyond just their family like it used to be. But they still, I think, have that notion that perhaps dairy farmers could hire U.S. citizens and Americans to do that milking for them, and they don't yet realize that that, that is not the case and that we do need migrant immigrant labor in order to function in these dairy operations today. And that's where our work on immigration comes into play so importantly on our dairy farms. Despite partisan politics in Washington, Connor feels confident something on immigration or ag labor reform can get done in the future and even this year. He argues whether it's dairy or whether it's fruits and vegetables or whatever commodity, American agriculture is unified in saying something needs to be done and the problem needs to be fixed soon. Join us next week for the final episode as we look at what dairy producers are doing to meet environmental sustainability goals on their farms. AgriPol Steep Dive is sponsored by Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, the voice of milk. For Spencer Chase, I'm Ben Nully.